Welcome to Shofar Ronnebosch Sermon Podcast. We trust that today's message will edify and strengthen your faith. Um, they, they gained victory. Right? And the moment he dropped his hands, they suffered defeat. Right? Or some setback. And so eventually, you know, they had to get people to help him to keep his hands up. But something that happened that, that God called him to do in the natural affected the spiritual. Right? And that's a pattern we see throughout Scripture, throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. And so, so God calls us to partnership. If you look at 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, there's a partnership that happens. There's an expectation when we come to the house of God, it's not just us receiving, but it's a participation. We're joining with what God is doing. And so... We're not going to do something specific right now, but I want to just encourage you and invite you. I believe God's going to do something special this morning. Um, and when, when you feel just to do that, maybe it's a prophetic action. Maybe it's standing, shouting, dancing. That, if it's, if it's inspired by the Holy Spirit, will affect something. Sometimes God shows us what it affects. Um, sometimes we don't know. We find out later. Um, but I just wanted to encourage us in that way. So let let me just pray for us this morning, and then we'll have the offering. Father, we thank you for your house, and Jesus, you have the right to do whatever you want in your house, because you are the host. You are the father of the house, and Father, thank you that you have many children, and God, I bless every person that is in your house this morning. Thank you that you bless them with, with your presence, God. Thank you that, Lord, your presence is here. Thank you, God, that you come and enfold your people. You wrap us with your love. And, Father, thank you for your manifest presence right now. Just feel it. Just receive it. Just know that he is with you. Hallelujah. Seats. This feels exactly like deja vu. <laughs> uh, I, almost, I almost feel like uh, I have to start preaching again. But uh, this, this time I've been demoted to the, to the offering message. <laughs> it, is, it is a big privilege to be able to give the offering, offering message. I just have one scripture, Joshua 24, verse 15. It says, and if it seems evil unto you, if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The backdrop of the scripture is, it's Joshua 24, it's the last chapter in the book of Joshua. They had just 
crossed over the Jordan. They were doing conquests. They were winning. They were going through some very like adventurous type things, and they were, they you know they had to give quite a lot. And how I'm tying this back to the offering message is just this 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 bit here is, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If you choose to serve the Lord, if you really choose to serve the Lord, you must give all your money to us. <laughs> no. Gotcha. Psych. But what am I really trying to say? Abraham served the Lord undeniably. When he won some of his deepest battles, um, I, I, back in Genesis, there was a, a, a priest of, I think they called him Melchizedek, that came up to him without any law, without anything. He was like, please take 10% of what I have. In Malachi 3 verse 10, Israel was being called back to God, saying, you have robbed me. Start bringing your, your, um, your tithes to the storehouse. If we serve the Lord, this is an important area to serve the Lord in. If you're here for the first time, if you're a visitor, you're not obliged to give. Uh, and if you remember, the, if you're a first-time visitor, you can just, uh, I, oh wait, we just give our visitors cards back to the, uh, just remember to give it to the station to, gra- to claim your free coffee. But remember this, that if you choose to serve the Lord, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Finances are just as important. The ashes can take up the offering as I pray. Father, thank you so much for the, for the opportunity to serve you, even in the Old Testament we were, that people were called to serve you in the New Testament. Father, after G- Jesus died for us, we can still have, we still have the opportunity to serve you. Thank you, Father, that we can serve you with our finances. Lord, and that you don't just command us to give you money, Father, you actually turn this into blessing. It's written all over the New Testament. It's written all over people's testimonies. So, Father, take the little we give in faith and multiply it according to your glory. In Jesus' name. The band has some company this morning. Thank you, Stefan. Thank you, band. Thanks for letting us. Yeah. <laughs> Great stuff. All right, good morning, everyone. I'm going to jump right into the Word. Acts chapter 1, verse 14. And all these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer together. 
I want to emphasize that word together. We are um, busy in a time of, you know, just um, one of the values of the church is being together. Um, and so um, practically we've just, uh, you know, just encouraged everyone to just invite someone into your home. And uh, we did this the past week, and uh, I want to encourage you, you don't need to stop now, right? You can continue um, doing this. And so I want to continue with the whole, um, let's call it a series if you want. It's, a, it's almost like a season um, that we're embracing this, this value and just re- rekindling something that God has already given us, um, that value of relationship. But it says here in the book of Acts that all these with one accord were devoting themselves in prayer together. I'm going to just break that down in a, in a, in a second, but it starts off with, with um, the disciples coming together, right? In the book of Acts, Jesus had just um, ascended into the heavens, and he said to them, okay, go and wait in the upper room. So all these with one accord. Now, the word one accord could be tr- translated as in harmony, right? And so... You know, the, the, the analogy there could be uh, that of a song, right? Singing a song, but singing together and harmonizing as you sing. And so, so God gives us, you know, metaphorically a song. He gives us something. If you've, if you've really connected to Jesus, you know, when you, when you come to Christ, when you get saved, I almost want to say God gives you a song. There's a song and a unique song that all of us have to sing into this world. It's a message. It's a, something unique um, that you bring into this world. So we're all singing our songs. In fact, we meant to sing our songs. Um, and we, if, if we're not living what God has made us to be, we're singing a different tunes, right? But it says here that they were all together of one accord in harmony. Do you, do you see that picture? It's really beautiful because they... They were accessing not their minds, right? Because sometimes intellectually we're not on the same page. Sometimes we're thinking about different things. We're on different places. Um, But you know what? The same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives in us. So if we access the song of our spirits, we should be in harmony. I'm talking about unity. And so, so they were of one accord, devoting themselves to two things, prayer and and to be together, right, to that togetherness. And so um, prayer, firstly, Jesus says, my church will be a house of prayer. And I want to just immediately just challenge that word prayer. I think there's a bit of a stigma around prayer sometimes. Um, it's, a, it's a work that we do. It's something that's laborious. It's something we have to do as Christians. Uh, but I want to just break down that stigma. Prayer is just what we're busy, busy doing right before God comes and he pitches up on the show. And so prayer is accessing God. So, so, so break all the boxes of what is prayer and, you know, you know what is hard around prayer. It's, prayer is not hard. It's just, it's just, you know, doing whatever is done. And so we, I was talking about prophetic actions. Sometimes you don't even need to say a word. You just need to, you know, just stand up in obedience. And God's presence is there. We just came back from Indonesia. Uh, team uh, came back on Friday. Um, they'll give us a bit of feedback uh, next week. Um, but just going into, they've got these prayer towers in, in uh, Indonesia. They take prayer really seriously. They've got several um, what they call prayer towers, and literally prayer towers. The one is a 12-story building 
and on the top floor of the building, uh, they have 24-7 prayer, so they watch over the city, so they watch and pray, quite, quite literally, um, but they pray 24-7, and um, you know, I've been to Indonesia twice, and it's an incredible, amazingly beautiful revival happening there, I'll, I'll share a bit more as, as we go along. But, but my, you know, and we've, we were at a conference and always the incredible speakers and incredible worship times and sessions and miracles and testimonies and everything was incredible. But both times going to Indonesia, my favorite time was in the prayer room and just walking in the presence of God. And, and, and my prayer was just walking in the door, right? And God's presence was there. And I want to say, and I'm going to say this often, when God pitches up, everything changes. Right? When God pitches up, everything changes. And that's what we see here in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2, God then responds. But before we continue, um, that one word, it says that they were devoting themselves to prayer and to being together. So, both cases, it doesn't happen automatically. Now, I think sometimes, especially, especially on the second one, relationships, I think sometimes, and we've been talking about this often, but I think sometimes we think relationships will happen automatically, right? It's just, it's just the byproduct of life. Um, and all other things, you know, if, if I want to, um, you know, be fit this year, none of us think it's going to happen automatically, Right? You have to start a fitness program. If you want to run, you need to schedule time. You need to get up early in the morning. You need to go to the forest. If you want to you know, start a gym program, you need to you know, register with the gym. You need to commit time. You really need to, you need to get the protein shakes, and the, you know, depending on what sort of gymming you want to do. But there's a whole lot of effort. You know, we're still at the start of the year, all the New Year's re- resolutions. But I want to challenge us to think different in terms of relationships. Relationships do not happen automatically. In the same way that you devote yourself, commit yourself to whatever. Maybe you, you want to grow in terms of education. You want to do a, a course on the side or a, you know, a degree after hours. Um, you are devoting yourself in a certain way. My question is, are you devoting yourself to togetherness? Are you taking out time, sitting at the start of the year, thinking... Where am I going to invest relationally this year? Who am I going to, um, you know, have an accountability relationship with? Who am I going to speak into their lives and allow them to speak into my lives? Who am I just going to hang with? Who am I going to connect with as a community? Now, I want to now, I'm going to do a bit of a rapid-fire scripture reading. So, hold on. But I want, to see, I want, to, I want you to see the power of, of togetherness. Prayer and togetherness. But notice these two themes, uh, themes um, in the book of Acts, and then every time what happens. But every time, every time, almost with no exception, there's, there's almost no individuality in the book of Acts. You know, we've sort of crafted this special individualized Christianity uh, in, in the modern days. But you don't see any of it in the book of Acts. Every time something significant happened, it says that they were together, Right? And so we, we've, we've crafted this Christianity that I can do it all by myself. You know, if I'm just faithful and, and I'm not knocking your personal time with the Lord, that is precious and special. But you know that you can really connect to God corporately, 
right? And uh, I think that's, you know, I was so inspired in Indonesia seeing our people, you know, in, you know, just smoothly, interchangeably between the corporate and the individual. They just do it seamlessly. And so I'm inspired and encouraged. The book of Acts chapter 2, verse 44 to 47. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and good and divided them all as everyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord, again that word one accord, in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily, those who are being saved. Acts chapter 3 verse 11. Now as the lame man was healed, held onto Peter and John, all the people ran together to them at the porch, which is called Solomon's, and um, uh, greatly amazed. And, uh, you know, you'll actually see that phrase, Solomon's portico. It was almost the, the gathering point of the early church in the book of Acts, Solomon's portico. You can see it um, several times, not just with Jesus, but um, the, in the book of Acts. Uh, chapter 4, verse 24. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord. Again, one song. They were singing in harmony. Their different voices were in harmony before God and said, Lord God, who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. A couple of verses later. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Acts chapter 4, verse 32. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was on some of them. Great grace was upon them all. Again, that togetherness and, you know, God just comes. And again, when God pitches up, everything changes. Acts chapter 5 is 12. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done, done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. So we see this pattern and we can continue. The, whole, the book of Acts is, is full of this. I just stopped at chapter 5. Um, you see that togetherness. You see prayer, and then you see God. Then it's just God, right? That togetherness, worshiping God. Um, and again, prayer is just that place where we connect to God, where we just give Him space and welcome His presence. Two words I want to just clarify in verse 15 of the first chapter that I just read. It uses the, the phrase, they were gathered together. So I want to go back to the original definition of these two words. The word gather means, obviously, to bring together, uh, to gather a crowd, or to gather firewood. I love that picture. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that powerful? Pieces of wood that are burning. If you gather them together, what do you have? A fire, a bonfire. The more wood you add, the more you, you see that love. I love that picture. It also means to gather the harvest. Um, to accumulate as if, as if harvesting, or it means to serve as the center of attraction, um, or it means to summon up. Um, and that's, that's the, 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 the name of this church, shofar. 
the name of uh, the church is Shofar, which is the Hebrew word for the ram's horn, which symbolizes a coming together, a blowing of a trumpet, a calling together God's people for a specific purpose, whether it's for prayer, whether it's for battle, whether whatever it is, it's that gathering um, together. And then the word together means, of course, that, um, that one place. Um, simultaneously at the same time uh, 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 as in a body or group um, jointly combined in one place. Now, I love this, um, this phrase. Um, Lauren Cunningham says the following. He says, we don't compete, we complete in the kingdom. So many times when it's different, whether it's different churches, working together in a city, whether it's individuals um, and our friends and our peers, the spirit of competition is rife in this world, right? Everyone in this world is just trying to get to the top. And many times, and I've I've said this often, but I want to just reemphasize it. So many times we find ourselves, even as good Christians, where we use the people around us to get to where God wants us. Now, that is just so wrong, Right? We can never justify uh, the means by the end. Saying the end is good, so I'll use whatever means. No, God never calls us to that. The, the end is relationships, right? The, the, this investment that you're going to make. Again, I said, you know, maybe you might choose to invest yourself into fitness or whatever this year. But did you know that the most worthwhile investment you can make is relationships? Because it's the only thing you'll take to heaven. It's the only eternal part of this existence. Right? So when you make those investments, it's, it's eternal. It has eternal value and eternal consequences. But we don't compete. We complete. We understand that there's a Father. We understand that there's a God that is the head of the church that has a body. Right? And he's, he's made room, he's made space for the fact that I'm different to Matthew, and Matthew's different to Liana, and Liana's different to Kenny, Kenny's different to Johan, um, but we all work together. Right? There's, there's not a competition. We need each other to complete the bigger picture because it's not about me. It's not about what I can do. It's not about my purpose. It's about his purpose. It's about what God wants to do. And I believe God's going to take us um, to that in a, in a moment where we're going to just do something prophetically and significantly over the city. But we need each other. We cannot do it by ourselves. We need one another to get to what God wants to bring us to. I want to just make clear, I'm not advocating the power of community this morning. I am advocating the power of God in community. Big difference, right? You have a lot of communities in this world, all right? And there is an element of efficiency. There's an element of power. But I want to say more than that, it's God in community. That's what we have. That's what God has called us to. That's how they they will know that we are His disciples, by His presence in our midst. We're not building something that is unique to society. We're building a platform where God says, I want to be there, all right? And then God comes and he, and he manifests. When we do things His way um, and not, not our own. 
It was incredible being in um, Indonesia. Um, God is doing something really special there. The church obviously um, grew up early 90s um, in, in a time of persecution. It's the lar- largest populous um, Islamic country in the world. And so the church culture is incredible. I spoke to Jerome Campo. Some of you would have remembered him. He visited us a couple of years ago. But he says, he says the billionaires in the church are the ushers. They serve the people as they come in the church. There's, there's, there's nothing foreign to them about that. The peop- because of the persecution, the people, um, they had to because they were ostracized. They were removed from their communities, their families, and everything when they got saved. That church was their community and their only place of community. And so people love to go to church because that's where they have fellowship. You know, in the world, it's really tough because they get persecuted. Everyone knows that they, they're Christians. But it was incredible. We um, were gathering together just outside a stadium. I had to pinch myself a couple of times because we were about 2,000, 3,000 3, um, young people worshiping open air, you know, in this, this, this Indonesia. And then um, there was this, this really holy moment where one of the leaders, I think it was actually in worship, but one of the guys said, pray to which nation God will send you, right? And so the people went right down to their knees and they started praying and then, you know, people got the nation. They got a picture. And then they said, okay, now stand up. We're commissioning you. You're going to go to nation. It felt like Azusa Street, right? It felt like the people, they were so ready, so fired up, so connected that they just got the nations and they're ready. They want to go. And, and that's the cry of the people. Every time we come together, they're saying, you know, what, that, what is happening here, we need to take into the nations. And um, so they, they're calling it the third Pentecost. Um, talk about that for a while. But, but, but what, I'm, what I'm saying here is that the power of God in that coming together, God can do anything once we give him that space. Now, my specific application this morning, and, and you can gather by just what we've been talking about, is it's, it's, it's a general gathering, right? It's the coming together on a Sunday, but it's also the coming together on a Wednesday. So we do small groups. Michelle um, invited you so nicely to small group. Um, I want to encourage you to be part of a small group um, in church. Because small group is the place where life happens in church, right? And so we're just rekindling. We're sort of re- just re-emphasizing what small group is and what it, what it is not. Okay? Small group is the kingdom in action. You can actually not be complete by just coming to a Sunday, right? You are missing out on the application side of the kingdom. In fact, I want to say 90% of the kingdom, as we see it, happens in community, right? It doesn't necessarily only have to be on a Wednesday evening. Um, It could be at other times. It could be just randomly at someone's home. But again, I want to bring you back to that Acts chapter 1 verse 14 they devoted themselves to being together. In fact, it says in another place, they went from house to house, right? Breaking bed, bread, ha- you know, having meals together. It wasn't superficial. It wasn't something, it was something so natural. And that is what small group is. It's saying, okay, we've heard the word. We've been corporately together in God's presence. Now, 
God, what, it, what is it that you're doing? Let's join in with you. Let's partner with you in that which you want to do in any way. And then it's, it's so exciting because God knows our makeup. He knows our group. He knows our community. He knows what we're called to. Um, and he puts together us as a team, right? And he, and he does something unique. Six months ago, Jan and I felt just again to do small group. Um, and so we've been overseeing small group for several years, but we just felt, you know, we want to be there where the game is at, right? Because that's small group. That's where life is at. That's where the kingdom is at. Um, and I think sometimes in, in church structures we miss that, but we want to return to that. That's where it's happening. You know, if you look at the book of Acts and all the scriptures that I read, it's out there on the streets. It's out there in homes where the kingdom comes. We just need to say, God, we, we want to wait on you. We want to get your ideas. And so we had many ideas. I had lots of curriculums and stuff that I wanted to do in small group and programs and marriage courses. We never got to any of those. Because I think once or twice we got Donovan to get his guitar, and then it would just be over, man. You know, God would just pitch up, and, you know, we just did all kinds of crazy things. And so many things were birthed out of that small group. I can, can go on and on and on. But I want to just encourage you to cultivate that expectation, all right? Cultivate that expectation of us coming together. It's special to God. It's precious to God. And, and we, we, we deliberately choose to put too much definition and specifics on small group because we want to give God the platform, right? That is what small group is. It's a platform for God to come and to dream, demonstrate himself to us in community, collectively. And then secondly, you'll, you'll notice we've um, got little forms just um, explaining the, um, the calendar of this year. We've got specific dates for se- several things, and so you can get the card if you haven't received it yet. Um, just to give you an idea of what's happening this year, and if you want to diarize and make sure um, that you are at those uh, special moments of coming together. Um, but the first one was inviting someone, and the next one is inviting a neighbor, your actual neighbor, right? We get all spiritual about this word neighbor, but sometimes it's the person living next to you. Uh, To me, it's Louis, you know, Louis next, Louis, well, I'll invite Louis over sometime. No, no, your your actual neighbor, right? And so um, Jesus speaks about this. He says, he says, um, there are those who are sheep, but they're not yet part of this fold, right? So, sometimes we get this perception, you know, we are the redeemed, we are the people of God, they the lost, right? And there's, there's a reality to that. But do you know what? That Jesus sees them as sheep. They're just not part of the fold yet, right? And so that's another part of the reality that I believe of the kingdom that God wants to establish in us where there are sheep that God's going to add to our fold, and that is necessary for the life flow. That is necessary for the kingdom to happen. Do you know what? That there is a time in every community, every life group, if there isn't life, you're missing out on something. By life, I mean someone coming in, connecting with the Father for the first time. You know, I always make sure that there's someone in my life that has met Jesus for the first time. Because it blesses me. You know, it's, I'm very selfish in that way. You know, I just love to see 
when someone connects to God, they read the word and they're like, wow, this is amazing. My life is changing. And then how their lives just radically changed. Just in Indonesia, there was a guy, um, we'll just cut this out of the recording, but um, it's a guy from Iran, Anin. And um, they were refugees, him and his family. And seven months ago, they accepted Jesus. Um, well, he first accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. They were from a Muslim background. And so he embraced Jesus for the first time in his life. And it's incredible to see this guy. And he's, 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 since then, his brothers and sisters have gotten baptized. And his parents, he says, they, they're next. Right? They're already they're ready, ready for it. Um, but completely, he's never heard of, of, of the gospel. But seven months ago, God came, radically changed his life. And it's so precious again just to see how God does that. Um, and we always, always need to be exposed to that. We always need to see that. That is the kingdom, right? Then, when God shows up, it makes all the difference. I want to end off by just um, three practical things. And I want to tell a, a quick story. And then we, I'm going to ask some people just to respond um, to this situation. One of the things that really struck me in going to Indonesia was the history of Cape Town. Who's heard of the area of Makassar? I'm sure all of us, because you drive on the into, you drive past Makassar. Now, Makassar was in the late 1800s that uh, the Dutch, who were occupying um, the Cape Colony, they um, they were pol political refugees. The Prince of Makassar, which is from Indonesia, there's an island called Makassar. So that prince was banished to Cape Town with him and his wives and 12 imams. And that is the birthplace of um, Islam. That's the reason we have um, Islam in Cape Town. And, and further to that, further to that, um, those people, because many of them were slaves, were not allowed by the political authorities or the people, the communities, to become Christians. Because if they were to become Christians, they wouldn't be slaves anymore. So, socially, they were excluded from the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, that's an incredible sad story. I want us, if there's one or two people to come up, and we're going to just, I just felt, in Indonesia, I felt, you know, God wants to shift this, right? And I, I sort of thought, you know, maybe we should get the guys over there to come, and they might even still come. Um, but I actually felt God wants us to do it. You know, God says, is there someone that will stand in the gap? Someone that will, you know, take that role of, of something. So I want to just, as a, as a prophetic statement, as, as, a, as, as a church, this happened you know, hundreds of years ago, but it's still significant in the spirit. And I want us just to, 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 to break that this morning. Um, but I want to say this. If something like this, which was obviously terrible, if it could um, put a city in a certain uh, tra trajectory, right? trajectory, we, we're going into a certain direction. We all know, you know, where Cape Town is today segregated religiously, culturally, all of that. If such a small, a seemingly small thing, it's obviously a terrible situation that happened, um, 
But that affected. So I want us to embrace the negative. But I want you to see the positive. If that decision had such a massive effect, how much more the decisions that you and I and this community make can have in 100 years from now? If we were to make the right decisions and do right things, how much more with the blessing of God, the power of God, the coming together of His people and His presence and His agenda, His purposes, how much different could a city look in 100 years from now? Right? Surely God is more powerful than the devil. Amen? Can I have an amen? More amens? All right? So God is able. Three practical things. And then I want to, if anyone's just stirred up just to repent or to pray or to even to just receive um, forgiveness, if you representative of um, such a group, maybe you've got Malayo or Indonesian heritage. Um, three practical things in terms of community, in terms of prayer. The first one is taking godly risk. So I believe it's important to take risks in God. I believe it's important to take risks in relationship with God, right? I'm not talking about recklessness. I'm talking about risking it for God. It's so amazing. Again, we'll cut this. Um, Iggy, can you just stop the feed for a second there? Um, Several times in the conference, we were asked not to take any videos or photographs because obviously, you know, it could put the people in danger. It's a persecuted country. In fact, the meeting that we had in Indonesia was moved and changed because of attacks on the um, previous prayer gatherings. Um, But there was a really powerful moment where the people were asked, um, are we paused there? Okay, thanks guys. Um, There was a really powerful moment where um, there was a whole um, session. This is another sermon, another time that we just need to focus in on. But Um, It was a real good session on on Israel and the blessing of of the nation of of Israel and the Jews. And so the Bible says that we were grafted into the vine. You know, we as um, the Gentiles, the nations, we were were given the blessing of the gospel through the Jews. And so the Bible says, you'll be blessed if you bless Israel. Now, these people from Indonesia, they've got a real dilemma in that as a nation politically, they are not blessing Israel because of obviously their political stance. In fact, their governor, the governor of Jakarta was a Christian, but he was removed from office, put in prison um, because of the extremists. They didn't like the fact, you know, because uh, uh, traditionally the governor of Jakarta becomes the president of Indonesia. And so they persecuted him, put him in prison. Um, any case, so politically... But they understood, the church in Indonesia understands the power of blessing Israel. So they took a massive risk corporately in a setting like this. They just repented. They said, God, forgive us. And it's amazing. Our people, they're so used to connecting with God. They're so used to connecting in prayer that instantly they started weeping and crying before God, repenting. It was such a moving moment where they just said, sorry, God. Sorry that we're not blessing your people. And then they started to bless Israel. But they took a risk in God. That risk could have massive consequences. But they took a risk because they believe in God. And this is obviously relationally 
I mean, there's no, s well, there actually were some Jewish people representing, um, you know, the, the Messianic group. But there's no real benefit relationally, but they took the relational risk with God. And I believe God calls us to do those things. Secondly, um, do not despise the power of a prophetic impression. I want to encourage you in small groups when we get together. Paul says, when you come together, be ready to prophesy. Be ready to have a song. Be ready to have um, a word from God, right? And so I want to encourage you, when you come to church, have an expectation. God's going to do something. When you get to small group, have a prophetic word. Even if you're not the leader, even if you're not leading the small group, be ready. Because, again, a prophetic word can change everything. There's a guy called, uh, well, he's evangelist Sam from Germany, um, and he's done really incredible things for God. He's, he, he and his wife, that he was a policeman in Germany, he felt God said, um, back up his bags. It was a, one of the guys that we connected to at the conference. And um, he, he went to Nepal, the Himalayas, into Tibet. And they started a church there. Many years suffered incredibly. There was nothing, no Christians. When she got, got breakthrough, and now there's hundreds of churches that they, they lead. Again, incredible stories. Um, but he says, he says oftentimes God would use him to, um, to do reconciliation, right? to do conflict resolution when there are two groups. Um, so he goes all over the world, and he does reconciliation for groups of people. And he says, you know, you know, many times he goes into very difficult, very heated situations where there's just no way these people are going to reconcile. And he says, every time without fail, it's a prophetic word that brings the breakthrough. It's someone that stands up and he says, this is what I saw. This is God's word in the situation. We had our agenda. We were busy with this. It wasn't working because we were going systematically and then God comes, boom speaks a word, and it takes everyone by surprise and then opens up the way for reconciliation. So how much more in our coming together, how much more in our collective when we give space for God will He change everything? And then the last one, I already mentioned this, but I just want to drop this, but we'll, we'll properly talk through this, and I believe we'll practically go through this. But again, that um, difference between the individual and the corporate. So we've had a, a prayer room. And I don't know who's if, if been blessed coming to a prayer room at church um, in the last while. But, I, but something that struck me from the prayer rooms in Indonesia and the ones in South Africa. So, well, in our church at least. Um, when we pray together, it's a corporate setting, everyone goes and sits or worships by themselves, right? Um, in, in Indonesian prayer rooms, people... Pray by themselves, and then they connect together. Then it's a corporate prayer. Then we pray for the nations. Then we pray for this. And it's seamlessly. Then we focus again on what is God saying to me, where he's directing me. Now, I found that we have a bit of a challenge with that. We, um, you know, let's say as Western people, we, we struggle.
where we discover what he wants to do amongst us. So I'm just going to leave that there. We'll, we'll come back to that. Next week, we, we're going to be talking about, we're going to have an activation service. We're going to be talking about the new venue. If you're new with us, we are moving church. The 3rd of March. So uh, someone went to the Jamison, walked quite far. Um, but, you know, in three weeks' time, is it three weeks? Is it four weeks? So in a month's time, we're going to be at Kurenhoop, which is in observatory. We'll give you lots of details. And next week, we'll talk through all the practicalities. We're going to make our home together as a church. So I want to invite everyone to participate in that. But I want us to just to stand this, this morning. And I want just two people, two or three people to come up. I want us just to, again, the church is a house of prayer for the nations. So if you just feel on your heart to pray, just a repentance on behalf of um, the Dutch people. But it wasn't just the Dutch, it was the local people, um, the Christian community of the day. Um, that's our people. And so we need to repent and take ownership of what has happened. And really, really trusting for what we're seeing in Indonesia. A million people, million Muslims are coming to Christ every year in Indonesia. Right? We're going to see en masse people coming to Christ in Cape Town. Amen? People that don't know God have built up walls for many generations. Those walls are going to come tumbling down as people are going to meet with Christ. Lord God, we come before you today, Lord, as, as representatives, Lord, of the, of the people who came before us, Lord God. We thank you, Lord, that as, that as a representative of the, of the Dutch who were here long before, Lord God, I just pray a repentance now in Jesus' name, Lord. I pray, Lord God, and I thank you, Lord, that, Lord, that we are not defined by the decisions, Lord God, Lord, but that there is something in the Spirit that is sitting there, Lord God, and we just break it now in Jesus' name, Lord God. We thank you, Lord, that in your word you say what is broken on earth will be broken in heaven. What is loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven, Lord God. And right now, Lord God, we lose everything. We break every single chain that has shackled the people before, Lord God. We break every, Lord God, we break every bondage that has been placed on those who, who, come, who have come along after the generations, Lord God. We pray... Lord God, right now, that every generational bondage that has been placed on every single family, Lord God, and every single person, Lord God, not only from the Cape Malay people, Lord God, not only from the Malaysian and the, and the, the people who came after those generations, Lord God, but also on the, on the Dutch, Lord God, and the people who are generational from the Dutch, Lord God. We pray, Lord God, that the, the hardness of hearts, Lord God, be broken now in Jesus' name, Lord God. We pray, Lord God, that that we see one another, Lord God, in the openness that should have been there straight away, Lord God. We see one another, Lord God, Lord, as equals, Lord God. We see one another, Lord God, that, that we are all part of your family, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord God, that we now know that, Lord God. And we just break that now in Jesus' name, Lord God. And we just speak healing, Lord God, to the hearts of those who are involved, Lord God.
Ach, Lord, thank you, Lord, that it was such a revelation to me this morning, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you're going to increase our faith, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you're going to give us faith, Lord, to really pray for these people, Lord, to help us, Lord, as we go out, Lord, as we encounter people that are Muslim or that believe in other gods, Lord, that we can really have faith, Lord, that we can know, Lord, that you have made a way out for them, Jesus. You have already overcome, Lord Jesus, and that you can use us, Lord, to bring back that hope, Lord Jesus, where hope was stolen, Lord, and they didn't have any other choice, but to, they, they just had to believe what, what was told to them, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that Jesus has made a way out. Thank you that Jesus is their Savior. Thank you that Jesus can bless them in many ways that they don't even imagine. And even, I, I just, I just want to um, repent of my own unbelief, Lord. I, I sometimes go to Muslim people, and, and I'm like, but, you know, how is this going to affect you, and how are you going to cope with everything, and, you, you know, your family is going to hate you, and I, I, I just repent of my unbelief, Lord, and I just declare, Lord, that you have a plan. You have a way out, Lord. You have a way out for each and every one of them, and that's Jesus. And we just declare the power of Jesus over every person that, are, that have beliefs that are not the truth, Lord Jesus. We just declare the overcoming power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Make us bold, Jesus. Give us the boldness, Lord, to not be not decide for those people if we're going to testify about you, but that we'll, we will just trust you, Lord, and that we will have faith, Lord Jesus, and use us, Lord. We don't know what to say. We don't know how to, even, even if we try to repent, Lord, we can't heal them, Lord, but you can, Jesus. And I just pray, Lord, you will come and use us to be your hands and your feet, to love these people, Lord, that we will just really come with a gospel of love to them, Lord. Use us to love them. Use us to accept them, Lord Jesus. Even if they don't believe the same thing we believe, Lord, help us not to be intimidated, Lord. Help us, Lord, to not try and fix it ourselves, Lord. But give us your Holy Spirit, that your Holy Spirit will guide us, that your Holy Spirit will use us, that your Holy Spirit will work in and through us, Lord. And that the blood of Jesus and the love that he had on the cross, that that will overcome. That is the overcoming power we believe in. I just want to, um, if KG and Craig, can you stand on the same side, whichever. <laughs> so I'm, I, KG and Craig, as representatives of people that were in Makassar and people that were affected, I just want to come before God as a representative of what the Dutch did and of the Dutch and whoever else was part of that. And I want to repent to you for what's happened in the name of Jesus, I repent of a hardness of heart. I repent to you. I repent before God for a hardness of heart. I repent for ungodly behavior and doing it in the name of Jesus. I repent for injustice and I repent for hurting the people. I'm, I'm speaking to this representative, so I'm, I repent for that you were hurt and that hearts were hurt. I repent that families were hurt. I repent for executing things which were not God's things and calling it the thing of God. I repent for the Lord's name being used in vain. And God, I repent before you for every wrong action. I repent for a silent church that did not stand up and correct. I repent for people. I repent for hearts that thought they were doing your thing which were not doing your thing. I repent, God, for hardened hearts. I repent, God, for lovelessness. I repent towards that Prince of Makassar, his wives, the Imams, 
the rest that were affected, I repent towards them now in the name of Jesus. To the slaves, I repent towards them for exclusion. We declare that your gospel is never exclusive. We declare that you love them. We repent for not loving God, not showing your love, for coming in the opposite spirit. We repent, Father, for social exclusion, for a devaluing of lives. I repent for a devaluing of lives. We want to declare the value of each life, full, complete value in each life because Jesus died for each one. We repent of, of withholding the power of the cross. We repent, God, of withholding the power of the cross. Jesus, forgive us for withholding the power of the cross. Jesus, forgive us for lovelessness. Jesus, forgive us for hard hearts, for cruelty, for, for um, ignorance and not caring. And forgive the church, Lord, for not stepping up, not caring, not, not um, jumping in, Father. Forgive us for not listening to your spirit, not following your spirit. Just want to release your freedom over every person that was hurt. And Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask for their forgiveness, Lord. Father, um, thank you for, for today, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that today, Lord, is a day like never, never before, Lord, that we can come as one people before you, Lord, that, Lord, as, as a people that were slaves, Father, Lord, people that were called different names and bondages, Lord, we receive that, that repentance and forgiveness, Father God. We receive, Father God, on behalf of what was done so many years ago, Lord, even though we weren't there, Lord, we're the fruit of it, Lord, but now, Lord, we are new fruit, Lord. This is a new beginning, Father God. We, we receive, Father God, to every family, Father God, every person, Father God.